Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Ian Sanders is an author, creative consultant, and storyteller who works with some of the world's leading organizations. Throughout his professional life, Ian has experimented with life-enhancing habits and hacks, and it's resulted in two decades worth of conversations, detours, and journals. I hope we'll hear a little bit about some of those detours. And now, whether it's working with teams and global organizations or with a founder who's just getting started, Ian aims to spark change. With his fifth book, 365 Ways to Have a Good Day, he hopes to inspire people to spark change in their own lives and to get more out of every day. We are so thrilled to have you join us on Be Brave at Work, Ian. Hey, it's really good to be here. Thank you. So I did a light introduction of you, and I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about the work that you do and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace. Well, thanks, Ed. Yeah, after kind of a 30-year career, I've uh, taken a lot of twists and turns, following my curiosity uh, along the way. And uh, now I find myself in a space which is all about encouraging uh, my clients and people I interact with to um, have better quality work lives. Uh, from my own experiences, you know, we all have good days and bad days at work. And I had some really hard times in the workplace. So that is why I'm kind of on a mission that we can all have more good days at work. And that's evident in the new book that you just mentioned that was out recently. And also I do a lot of work with leadership teams, uh, training programs and workshops where I'm just getting them thinking about how they can bring more of their real selves to work and how they can be more human, principally through the power of storytelling. That's a big thing that I evangelize. So uh, yeah, I I wear a number of different hats like many of us these days, but uh, that's it in a nutshell. Fantastic, Ian. And I'm just wondering when you look at this perspective of helping people have better quality work lives, you know, I personally believe, and perhaps I am biased that one of those characteristics are being braver at work, that saying something that needs to be said respectfully and professionally, of course, you're not hitting somebody across the head with a two by four, but you're approaching them respectfully can help ensure or create a better work life for you. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts and observations might be on that. 
Absolutely, yeah. Bravery and courage, uh, two very important words on there, isn't it? When when we can be our true selves, when we can bring our true selves to work and our differences and our diversities, uh, we know that we have better quality work lives, we can interact with people in a better way. And you make a good point about, uh, I guess, around what we would call integrity, around calling things out. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, Me Too, we've seen a lot of uh, challenges in uh, workspace and in the, uh, you know, work environment in the last few years. And it's great that people are really tuned in to calling things out. Also, Ed, you know, putting their hands up when it comes to struggling with mental health. You know, my own story was that as a young man in my late 20s, so a little way, old, <laughs> a little way back now, uh, I was really struggling with my mental health in the workplace. And uh, I didn't feel that it was something that I could really be that open with. And, you know, I'm encouraged now how much the world of work has changed, where it is much less of a taboo for especially for a man sometimes it can be harder to say look i'm struggling with this and uh, you know i need a hand so you know my own experiences have informed uh what i do now and you're right i mean bravery is a real cornerstone for that when you think about mental health certainly in the last two to three years with the pandemic the observation of people's mental health i think has been more visible to people than perhaps in the past, not that it wasn't ever visible, but it just seems to be more visible today than ever. And uh, I think it does take bravery uh, and it may be gender related. It might be age related. It might be work related to raise your hand and say, hey, I'm challenged in respect to this particular aspect or I'm having real trouble with that. I'm just curious and I'm not attempting to put you on the spot. Do you have a couple of tips or ideas for our listeners on what they can do if, in fact, they feel that they are struggling in the workplace. Yeah, I think it's important that they can identify someone in the work environment, Ed, who they can, um, you know, be open and honest with. You know, ideally, that would be a boss or a leader. But let's be realistic. Sometimes that's not going to be a sympathetic ear. So I think it's important that they identify a colleague or a coworker where they can just say, look, I'm struggling here asking for advice, you know, I think if you're going to bottle it up and just keep it to yourself, I know from my own experience how that can be difficult and um, things can get really tough. I think it's really important that you can be open with someone, find someone in the organization, whether in a startup or in a, you know, hundreds of pers- uh, hundreds of thousand person organization, find someone to talk to who's going to listen to you and can take the action that needs that needs taking. Well, and I think finding this sympathetic ear is really important. Uh, you know, in work that I do with clients, I oftentimes tell people, find someone that you can talk to because even getting it out of your head can be helpful, right? Just having someone that you can say it to rather than keeping it on your own in your head can be uh, help you advance in respect to making good progress. And it sounds as though that's one of the tips that you would provide our listeners. Yeah, you you bet. I mean, I think it's also important that we look after, uh, you know, what I would call our self care, and uh, we hard bake self care into our into our day. You know, as uh, as a self employed uh, consultant running my own business, I'm very fortunate. I have a lot of flexibility in my working day. I live by the coast, uh, just forty miles to the east of London. I take the dog for a walk in the mornings on the beach. I go and get a coffee from my neighbourhood coffee shop. Those things have become very important rituals, and they're not only rituals that energize me and make for a better day. 
they are also rituals about self-care. They're rituals about knowing what I need for my mental health and my well-being. And um, I think there's a lot of pressure on us, isn't there, to uh, a lot of pressure pressure on us to uh, you know be opt at our optimal best and to be you know super successful and crushing it. And we know all this language, especially in the entrepreneurial space. And I think it's really important, and it's a, a key message in my book that we pay attention to what we need to have a good day and that we hard bake self-care, whatever that is, you know, sitting for five minutes uh, with our favorite mug of coffee or meditation or just having a breath of fresh air or, you know, watching a YouTube clip that's going to make us laugh, stroking the dog, you know, whatever. We're all, we're all different. And I think, I think that's really super important. Well, this idea of self-care also, I think, has been a little bit more visible, just like the importance of mental health care over the last few years. And, uh, you know, I agree with you that this idea of sometimes uh, competing against the common culture of how you should operate and instead of being this kind of always get it, work hard, crunch through it mentality, finding opportunities for self-care to ensure that, you know, physically and mentally you are as good as you can be on every day that you interact in the workplace. Absolutely. You know, I have a little mantra, uh, which is, it's my life, not a business model. And uh, in the 20 year, 22 year career of running my own business, you know, it's, it's pressured, it's hard. And I think I spend a lot of years, you know, uh, in the early days of working for myself, of like, you know, following the money, because I knew it was precarious working for yourself, had a young children at the time, we need to get the money in. And I wasn't choosing the right type of work. I wasn't listening and tuning into what I needed. And I had a, I, I guess I had a, a revelation really, Ed. Um, uh, I'd be lying if I said it, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it was only about eight years ago. So there you go in a 22 year career working for myself where I figured out the choices we make matter. The choices we make of the projects I take, the people I work with, and how I do the work really, really matters. And you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to optimize every waking hour. I'm not trying to squeeze, uh, squeeze commercial opportunity out of every waking hour. You know, and then I landed on this thing, which is, this is my life, not a business model, and it was powerful just to say to myself that uh, giving myself permission to think, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is your life. The choices you make really matter. We work long and hard hours. I realize I speak from a position of privilege. You know, if you're uh, stacking shelves in a Walmart or, you know, working on the front line in healthcare, you know, you probably haven't quite got that luxury. People like you and I might have in our flexible flexibility and how we approach our work life. But, um, yeah, it's 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 really been a game changer for me, Ed, to think about making the right choices. They're not trivial. They really matter about how we do our work and who we work with and what we get engaged on. Well, I'm also very interested, Ian, in this aspect of storytelling. I do believe, and I've not done a ton of research on this, but I do believe you know one of the aspects that you can use to be brave at work is storytelling. So if you want to be brave with a boss and tell your boss something that may be difficult for them to hear or with a peer. Uh, Not all of us are great storytellers. I don't think of myself as a great storyteller, but storytelling, I think, as a skill set, you know, could be very effective. And I'm wondering if you tell us a little bit more about the storytelling work that you do 
And if you can, you know, maybe relate it a little bit to telling somebody something they need to hear and using a story to kind of demonstrate your point or the concept that you're attempting to share. Yeah, good question. Thank you. I work with leaders in organizations where I'm encouraging them to share their personal story, to share their ups and downs. And sometimes there's a tendency, people think, I don't want to talk about kind of things that are private, and that's fine. But I do know that when a leader, um, or any of us, but when a leader is prepared to be open and vulnerable about his or her journey, and uh, what my friend uh, Nancy Duarte, the great storyteller at Duarte Inc. in uh, Mountain View, would call the messy middle. A lot of us have a messy middle in our journey and in our story. I certainly do. And when we shine a light on that, it reveals us to be human and authentic, and it creates an emotional engagement. Uh, Richard Branson said, a long list of successes does not make for a good story. We're interested in stories of characters uh, who are overcoming adversity or overcoming struggle. And, uh, you know, an example I sometimes talk about is uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, who, uh, you know, did a LinkedIn post quite a few years ago now about how uh, becoming a father to his son, Zane, who had severe cerebral palsy, was a real turning point for him in his life as a parent, as a business leader, and as an employer. And, you know, I think what's wonderful about that is Sachin Adela came into Microsoft, wanted to signal the new style of leadership. How does he form an engagement with, what, what was it, 182,000 people? You tell a personal story from the heart. You tell a story of, you know, uh, of, of something that's so transformational. And we can all do that. Um, you know, my coming of age as a storyteller, Ed, was when I got asked to talk at a wonderful event called the Do Lectures in 2015, and I stood on stage. It's also online. Stood on stage and told my real story about my struggles with mental health and depression and why I'd quit my job way back at the end of the millennium. And that was a great lesson in, we hear these words a lot, don't we, vulnerability, but being vulnerable and um I'm sure your listeners are aware of the work of Brené Brown. Brené Brown has this wonderful concept about rising strong. And for me, standing and being open, you know, nearly kind of crying on stage was that I could then had my truth was out there and I could own my story and I rose strong as a result of that. So I'm a great advocate of that. And I think where we, well, it's back to braver, isn't it? Where we can be brave enough to dare to be personal, to reveal those stories, it can be a game changer in the workplace, not just leader to the rest of the organization and leader to his or her teams, but you know, just informing relationships, better relationships with the people we work with. Well, it's interesting that in some ways it takes bravery to be vulnerable. Uh, you know, If you were to hear it off the top of your head, you wouldn't think it would be, right? You'd think everybody could be vulnerable, but yet I think business leaders and especially in the American culture, the higher you are in an organization, the more perfect people perceive you to be. And of course, presidents never make mistakes and have had perfect lives and so forth and so on. And in reality, they haven't, but they're also oftentimes not vulnerable. So you never hear their true story about the challenges they faced and their messy middle and you know why they shouldn't be where they are today and things of that nature, which is disappointing, right? Because I think if they did share it, 
the degree of engagement, the degree of loyalty would increase as opposed to decrease. But for some reason, culturally, we just find it hard to be vulnerable, to share stories from our lives, even if they're not incredibly personal, but uh, stories from our lives that might connect better with others. Uh, I know you're not a sociologist, but any thoughts or ideas on why being vulnerable is so hard? Um, well, it's scary, isn't it? I think um, we are worried about what people might think and are people going to see it as uh, a weakness? And I do think sometimes it can be a gender thing. I think women are better at being open like that than men, certainly in my experience. And I think, to be honest, it took me um, – it needed kind of my maturity, if you like, to be able to stand up and go, yeah, this is my story. And I certainly didn't have that in my late 20s or early 30s. So where was I in 2015? Uh, I was uh, I was in my 40s, you know. So I think it took a while for me to get comfortable with that. It can be frightening. And in a world where I'm generalizing, but, you know, the Instagram shiny world where, okay, perhaps that's a bad example because people are good at being vulnerable on those platforms but i think there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure on uh, a lot of pressure on yeah you know everything's going great and i'm having a great day uh, a good friend of mine nick who always leads from the heart works for a global organization did a lovely linkedin post the other day saying um he woke up and he was uh, feeling very anxious and he felt it was just, you know, the whole pandemic thing and what he was feeling. And for a leader to lead from the heart like that and be open, you know, you look at the comments below and how people were, you know, you know, I felt the same or all this, you know, so what it does, it's, uh, it's kind of the vulnerability loop, which is a lovely concept by Dan Coyle, where when person A is vulnerable to person B, person B sees that and then uh, responds by being vulnerable and kind of trust is established. So there is a methodology behind it. But um, I've seen it in action. I, I see it in action a lot. And uh, yeah, amazing if you can uh, be open and share your vulnerable story. Well, social media, I don't believe is helping people be vulnerable because the behavior you see of most people is I'm eating at this great restaurant or I'm on this great vacation or look at this beautiful view or look at my cute puppy. You know, we share all these high points because that's how we want people to see our lives. And we rarely share, not that anyone will want to see it. And maybe that's why we don't share it. Tough moments we're having or bad weather days or ugly views we just saw. Uh, you know, I'm always amazed uh, anytime I take the train from Boston to New York City, there's this section from, uh, you know, right outside of New York City going in, you know, the train area, it, that's horrible looking. There are this graffiti, there are burnt out cars. I mean, you, you think you're entering a war zone. You know, you never see that picture. You always see the beautiful views of Connecticut and everything as if the train ride is uh, glorious, but it is something that is uh, hard to do. Uh, Ian, I, I do want to end our conversation today, but I just wanted to talk for a few minutes. If you could tell us a little bit more about your book, 365 ways to have a good day. And I don't know if it's 365 ideas, one for each day, or if it's organized a little bit differently, because I suspect that, you know, being brave at work is a way to have a good day and not that that's one of your chapters, but would love to hear a little bit more about the book. Thank you. Yeah, it's a collection of ideas and stories really to help us all get more out of life. And uh, I mean, it I think the important thing is we're we're all different, and you know you, it's unlikely you're going to pick up the book and go all these 365 are for you. But I think the likelihood, from what I've heard from uh, readers so far, is that um, 
It's helping them get, get recalibrated. It's helping them think about some of those obvious things, or they're obvious to me perhaps, which can make a real difference to their day. Getting out for a walk, uh, hard baking self-care into their day, um, getting some downtime, uh, journaling. And um, I think it's it's a book that, uh, you know, is, is, is hopefully, you know, really valuable now for people to have a think about you know what they need to having a good day it's a two part thing it's a two part thing really i think when it comes to having a good day the first part is about paying attention to what you need those daily little ingredients those little those little things and the second part is about being intentional about you know building building a life around those so you know the book is really hopefully a great a great call to action to give some practical tips and ideas where people can redesign their work lives ed you know i think um my work life has always very much been a work in progress experimenting trying things iterating and that's what i'm advocating in the book yeah i have chapters on you know vulnerability standing up and telling your real story getting a getting some uh, self-care and all those things we've talked about today um but i'm encouraging that people read it experiment with some habits and behaviors and see the difference it makes it is often those small things that can make a big difference to our day well i do believe in baby steps so i think small things can have a very significant difference ian thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and perspectives on bravery at work and again your book is 365 ways to have a good day thank you again for being a guest today I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.